Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Joy Has Questions. It is I, no other than Joy herself. Ooh, that sounded crazy. Hey, everybody. It is another week of Joy Has Questions. I am super excited. I have so much planned in regards to just letting you on, letting you all know some things that I have going on, as well as just little milestones that I've been crushing. So let's get right into it with this week's You Better Know. I really was inspired by Lena Waithe explaining why she cut her dreads. Um, She made a statement, I forgot the magazine, but she basically made a statement saying how it was rooted in fear of that if she cut her dreads, she would be perceived as like a stud within the LGBTQ plus community. And that isn't necessarily her personality. So she really wanted to just make sure that she was you know, not living for her hair or not letting her hair completely define her. So I found the original Lena Waithe. So today we are celebrating Grandma Gladys Bentley, who went by the stage name Bobby Minton. She was a Harlem Renaissance blues singer, as well as, I don't want to call her necessarily transgender. I don't, know if she was also I don't want to be disrespectful I know in the past the term cross-dresser was something that was used but let's just put it this way her act was definitely her in a male persona and wearing her famous black and white tuxedo um she was known as one of the most well-known and financially successful black women in the U.S. in the 1920s and 30s she was a pioneer in pushing the envelope of gender sexuality class and race with parody and exaggeration both in her personal life and in her professional one. So let's just do a little bit of rewinding here. She was born to Trinidadian parents. She was the eldest of four children and lived in Philly. She was interviewed once as saying that even from an early age, she remembered trying on her little brother's suits and wearing them to school. Of course, her parents freaked out and was just like, oh, we don't know what's wrong with her. Why doesn't she want to be in dresses? So I say this with air quotes. Her parents tried to cure her but it was to no avail. So being a talented pianist and blues singer, she ran away to New York at 16 and she made the decision. Now, this is really epic that as a teenager, she's making the decision to just be herself in a time that at least now you are more familiar with the LGBTQ plus community. There's shows like Pose and Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and There's characters on fictional television shows and just people who are living in their truth every day. But in the 30s, or rather in the 20s and 30s, to make the choice to overtly include sexuality in her act with her song content, stage moves, and attire, that was revolutionary. She dressed as a man, and then her signature look, as I stated earlier, was a black and white tuxedo. She became known as one of the most promised mannish lesbians of the Harlem Renaissance. So this was a large 250-pound woman, had a deep voice, but yet she found a way to appeal to straight, gay, black, and white audiences. She began singing at rim parties and buffet flats before she moved on to speakeasies and nightclubs such as Jungle Alley, which was one of the premier clubs during the Renaissance. OK Race Records released eight singles of her music between 1928 and 1929. She was literally just letting the dough roll in. She had a radio program in 1930. And then by 1933, she headlined in clubs and theaters such as the iconic Cotton Club and the Apollo. She also created her own music review that included eight male dancers in drag and was the primary attraction at the well-known Umbangi Club from 1934 to 1937. Now, let's talk about cream, casuals, everything around me. 
she had a Park Avenue apartment that she lived in with her white girlfriend. So not only was she an open lesbian, but she had an interracial relationship in the 30s. She also claimed to have had a a civil union in New Jersey. And although this couldn't be verified, and trust me, I looked... If that was correct, then she would have been one of the earliest known civil unions ever, if not the first in the U.S. So after Prohibition was repealed, she did lose a lot of her popularity, but it picked back up during World War II. Now, this is also around the time that the iconic uh, John H. Johnson is coming on with Ebony and Jet magazine. So in 1952, she was quoted in Ebony ebony article is saying i am woman again and she changed her demeanor by wearing dresses i don't know necessarily what she was going through maybe she just wanted to wear dresses it was her decision to make so she moved to the west coast around this time during to the rise of gay bars in the area and she continued to perform um she eventually found a zeal for christ and became an attendee of the temple of love in christ incorporated and prepared for ordained ministry it doesn't say anything if there was anything regards her sexuality um or if she continued to wear dresses or go back to her androgynous style before um she died suddenly from the flu in Los Angeles in 1960 at the age of 52, but her birthday was today. So that's also, I was just like, let me give a shout out to grandma Gladys. Um, I wanted to salute her for having the courage to live in her truth, not be confined by the opinions of society. And then to be one of the most talented musicians and performers of the Harlem Renaissance. So that was a mouthful. It's hot as hell. I am going to be heading right into. So according to IG. Alrighty, I am switching up so according to IG just a tad because I have a pre-recorded interview that I was able to do with my homie Miles Strider that I am so proud of him. He is actually going to be in this season of Insecure, which premieres tonight on HBO, uh, Issa Rae's hit phenomenon. So I'm super, super proud of him. Um, so there is no actual like dialogue of us talking necessarily about all the travesty that's going on. But I just have to hit on these quick little points. Um, Sierra's happy. You can see it in the way she twerks. You can see it in the way her itty-bitty titties jiggle. You can see it in the way she is walking on stage at the ESPYs with her husband, who is shorter than her. You can see it in the way she's ignoring Slim Thug, who I don't know why he still calls himself that. He definitely is fat now. But Sierra is happy. And I'll be honest, she actually has me interested in something of a musical note coming out of her mouth for the first time in years. Because Lord knows, I ain't give a damn about that Jackie album from, what was it, 20, 2015. When I saw the Freak Me video, I was like, <laughs> she is here with a twerk on her spirit and I'm receiving all of it. It's amazing to see a woman just minding her business, eating kale and being happy in the process. So I definitely love the bop. I do not think it's cultural appropriation. I had people that were like, is it culturally appropriating? First off, she's of the African diaspora. So this isn't, you know, Selena Gomez or Demi Lovato out here wearing traditional South African or Soweto, you know, clothes talking about some. Ooh, I just really felt inspired. Um, the song is amazing. The video goes. She can always dance her ass off. And I think it's an amazing follow-up to what already is a sensation from Level Up. Like, she's had challenges. I'm pretty sure everybody now is going to be sitting here doing Freak Me dances, as they should. Um, 
And it's just a win for black women everywhere. So if anyone would like to go check on Future in the process, I'm pretty sure he's somewhere in Marvin's closet with his thumb in his mouth and empty cough syrup bottles all around him on the floor because that's just pretty much what he's known for at this time. Um, But yeah, shout out to her. And I'm super, super excited to actually see this project and what she has to bring. I think she's riding this wave excellently. Um, Moving right along into something of a slightly more, no, not slightly, is totally of a more serious nature. So Vic Mensa is an amazing Chicago rapper slash activist. He has countless hits. His debut album, The Autobiography, did really well. He opened for Jay-Z's 444 tour. Um, He's really well known as also one of Chicago's chosen boys, just right up there with Chance the Rapper. So he was the grand marshal for, if anyone is from the Midwest, ever been in the Midwest, like the Bud Billiken Parade is it is the signature parade for black people just because, number one, it marks like going back to school. But then also it is just a great cookout moment for like people to come out and just really enjoy the culture of the South Side. He was the grand marshal for the parade yesterday. He almost got arrested by the Chicago Police Department because he had activists behind him with a sign calling for the condemnation and conviction of Jason Van Dyke, the murderer of Laquan McDonald in 2014. Now, mind you, I ain't seen Jason Van Dyke. I don't even know where they are hiding him. Hell, and I know everything that be going on, but I, I don't even know what's going on with that case or if they're still trying to take it out of state because they don't think he will get a fair trial of his peers. I'm like, well, at least he's alive to go to trial because Laquan McDonald or Mike Brown or Alton Sterling and countless other cases did not get to have their day in court for whatever minor infraction they were getting accosted for in the first place. Um, but I just wanted to know if the CPD is willingly targeting or baiting Mensa. I don't think there is anything worse or makes the CPD... No, there's always something to make the CPD look worse. But for them to willingly surround him and try and provoke him at an event where you already know black people are just not trusting of the Chicago Police Department, the police presence at this parade is insane. Like... It makes you so uncomfortable just to even celebrate yourself in a moment because it's like, why are there 59,000 cops here who look just as uncomfortable as all day and look trigger happy as fuck because they don't know what's going on because they have absolutely no community involvement. So it also comes off the heels of the CPD being in the news this week for having bait trucks in some of the lowest or rather I should say some of the poorest low income communities in the city bait trucks in which there were like Nikes and other sneakers or you know high end luxury shoes that would tempt people to steal them now the CPD came out with their little excuse as to why the trucks were even there but here is my one comment Thomas More. I believe in the 1800s, might be 1700s, wrote a book called Utopia. Now, don't laugh. The reason I even know about this man is because he was quoted for one of my favorite Drew Barrymore movies ever after, where she reads The Prince for Filth, but she's basing it off that book. And the whole premise of the quote that she says is like, if you deny people rights to education to truly have a chance to better themselves, you're putting them in a position where first you make these, then punish them. You're putting trucks of Jordans, of Nike shoes, of Air Maxes, whatever. I don't care what it was. In neighborhoods where children aren't even necessarily given the resources to afford 
you know, shoes. And then on top of it, this is the height of like just being a kid and wanting like, man, I want to have J's. I want to look fresh. I don't want to get teased. I'm like, you putting that in a neighborhood that doesn't have anything. They most definitely are going to take those resources because there's no other opportunity that they see to have them. So it is the equivalent of truly putting bread in front of a starving man. And then you upset when he like goes for it. Like, what did what did you think was going to happen? Maslow's hierarchy of needs will always be met. If someone feels that they need something, they are definitely going to take it. So instead of bait trucks or a $90 million police academy that does not need to be built, I've been in the police academy many a moon. That shit look fine. No, it's not like Northside Prep or Walter Payton spanking new, but it is a quality sound building that does not need a $90 million renovation. And if you also have the systematic removal of resources from low-income communities, the city needs to get rid of Rom and all his constituents and hit a giant-ass reset button because everyone already sees what this is. It's systematically taking away resources from impoverished or low-income low communities of black and brown people so that we can make the city, quote-unquote, whiter and wealthier. And there is also the reason why year after year with the census, there is a giant exodus of black people leaving this city. It's fucking ridiculous. CPD should be ashamed of themselves. And I'm fucking over it. Last but not least, um, I just have to touch on Nicki Minaj dropping this Queen album. Oh, girl. Okay, so it's not that I don't care, but I don't care. Like, I'm officially at the point where her antics outside of her artistry or outside of her being a rapper have superseded the one thing that I was supposed to care about, which was her actual bars. I did enjoy Barbie Dreams because it was funny. And look, say what you want, that line about Khaled was hilarious. We ain't speaking, ain't no fat nigga telling me what he ain't eating like his wife should just get that tattooed on her forehead and walk around the house. Like it needs to be ingrained on a curtain or on a pillow somewhere or embroidered, I should say. But at the end of the day, like when I listened to the album, it wasn't like, Oh, iconic. It was what I thought Nikki was going to bring. I mean, it's a cohesive body of work. It's just, I think I'm over the way they hyped up this album. I'm just kind of like, okay, this is nice. This is cute. But Having the dominance that she once had, I still think it's something where it's not there. So congratulations to her on her album, Do Well, but I'm not over here like losing my mind because she put out this new album. Uh, last but not least in that situation, I always just, also just has to say like, why bring up Karuchi? Like the girl is over here doing full sets on TNT every week, trying to mind her business. She out here dating... Victor Ortiz, is it Victor Ortiz, Victor, Victor, the fine one who hurt his knee playing football, and I don't even think he's signed, but the point is, she is out here trying to live her best life and mind her business, bringing up a dude that she ain't even dating no more Quavo, for what, girl? Because the second somebody brings up Meek Millie or, you know, Savannah Safari, the dudes that you were dating, you go all to pieces over it, so... Do on to others as you want done to yourself. But cute calligraphy on the album cover. I like that. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege to just, it was such a great night. Like I was super happy. Like number one, had Don Robb here, who is so big in the music scene or just the Chicago music scene. 
also. Um, but also just randomly called up my boy Miles. I was like, I know you're in Chicago. I saw you with your happy-go-lucky ass riding on the lakefront on a bicycle today on IG Story. Stop playing with me. So to have him just show up, vibe out with Don Rob, literally just have a conversation with him in terms of like how he has gotten to this space in his life. I am so, so happy and so proud of him. Um, he started off as uh, being, having like one-offs on, what was it, uh, Necessary Roughness, which was a USA show. Then he really went into like doing different cameos on Chicago PD and Chicago Fire. Then he was most recently junior on the TV show BET's The Quad. So I was super proud of him in that. And now looking at him debuting on Insecure this season with Issa Rae and Yvonne Orji and everyone else. So just over the moon happy that you all get to hear me literally chopping it up with just one of my oldest friends and just talking to him about like, how he's gotten here and just being happy to just revel in the fact of like, man, this is another one of my friends who is really doing something big um, and being proud of them. So listen and learn people. So I literally have known you for like this young man, probably going on like 10 plus years. Funny thing is my friend at the time in college used to show up with his little seven feet, 13 inches self, like just roll up in there into the dorm room drink all the orange juice, kick it all damn day, and we would have the most fun. Um, Miles, like, in Chicago, Miles tried to, like, big Miles, Miles the homie, like, the biggest, brightest personality you will ever see. And to now be not only taking over, be known for taking over the sports world, but now you just said, oh, fuck it, I've accomplished that. Let me move on to my next, which is accomplishing now being an amazing actor, all these blessings that are just raining down on you, another child of the South Side making it happen, as well as my favorite ride around the city, getting it, buddy, whenever everyone is just getting on my damn nerve. I know I could call Miles and be like, we need to go on Lakeshore Drive now. So to say it is an honor to have you on here, like I'm smiling from ear to ear. I got my boy up here. Like I'm so geeked and happy to have you here. Say hello. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I came with you. You're like, hi, y'all. No. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Like for real, for real. When I met you, you were looked upon as like one of the best defensive players that was ever going to take over the NFL. Like I just knew I was waiting on I was like, okay, so draft day. What suit is he wearing? Like, he definitely going pro. Um, tell me about your story. Like, how did you go from that to then being on BET's The Quad? You were in Chicago. Was it Fire or PD or both? Both. You were in Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. You now are about to be in season three of Insecure, which is one of the biggest shows for HBO, not just in terms of black millennials, just period, Mm -hmm. with Issa Rae and all of her bomb team. Like, how did this happen? Last time I saw you, you was over here stealing Lawrence Orange Juice, and now I just blinked, and you like, I'm a man. It's just like staying true to me, you know? I ain't never changed. All that time, I've been the same, right? Yes, you still will steal orange juice. And I'm like, you know damn well you make more money than me. I need this Simply Lemonade in my house. Yeah, it's just, I just, man, follow my heart with every decision I made, you know, whether it was to be to stop playing football or whether it was to be to stop changing schools, just up and change schools. Um, I guess we could start where um, I went to King High School, uh, graduating class 2007, um, oh, seven? Yeah, turn up. <laughs> yeah, turn up. Turn up. <laughs> turn up. 
Turn up. Uh, like you said, like I was ranked in the country. I was the 25th best player in the nation. Um, I was offensive tackle, uh, state defensive tackle, all city at the same time. Just football was it. Um, and even like with the like football process, I was just enjoying myself. Like I would go on visits and just be turning up, be the life of the party, every party I went to. And like I wasn't really looking at football as like a business decision, even though I should have been. Um, as you know, like King was a brand new school, so mm-hmm. our our class was the second class in there, and we didn't have no big time recruits before me. And like I was like, man, our coaches were telling us about they they um, experiences in college and how it was a good time when our coach went to University of Miami in the '80s. And I'm like, dang, that's what college is about partying and turning up. Okay, I the can't wait the to get the height of the cocaine era. Like it, I'm bound exa- to be lit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Coach Sean. Man. Right. Yeah, uh, but. Like, turned up, turned up to the point where, like, I didn't even pick a school. So I ended up having to settle to go to the school called Southeast Missouri. Uh, I went there for two years. Like, we was losing. Like, we was two or nine. But I was having a good time still. But I ended up transferring from there. Uh, I was watching, um, what's that movie called? School Days by Spike Lee. And I'm like, damn, I wonder what going to an HBCU would be like. And I was like, I'm going to find out. I went on Facebook, found out somebody on the Morehouse's roster that was going to the NFL. I hit him up like, hey, bro, I'm, I'm at a Division One school. I'm trying to transfer to a black school. What's up? He hit me up the next day with the coach on the phone like, hey, uh, we'll offer you a full scholarship if you just get your release. So I went and got my release, and I up and transferred to Morehouse. So let me just pause real quick because me just always being on the friend side of things, I remember when that happened. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, oh, he playing himself. What the fuck is he doing? He ain't going to get no looks going to Morehouse. And and it's funny, not going to call him out, no names. But some of these very same people I see under your picture, like, man, you doing it. I'm so proud of you, my it, guy. Keep living. It's and so I'm like, lovely. It's so lovely. That's when you know you win and when huh. the same niggas is, well, same people that you, <laughs> that was That's that fine. was telling you what you need to be doing, what, man, you should be doing this. When they congratulating you or trying to hit your line, bro, let's hang out, let's kick it. I really ain't got nothing for y'all, goofy ass. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he's not. I love though. y'all. I love- <laughs> no, I love See what everybody. happens. I love- you- people, and that's the thing. People remember it's the same people. Yes, it's true. The same PBC on your way up are the same PBC on your way down. But it's like you still have those mental ticks of everyone who has been there to support you through encouragement as well as the supporters that were there through being a naysayer. Yeah. It's all support. It all will push you. The, the thing was, like, with whatever decision I made, um, I, I just showed people love all the way through. Like, I never I never was mad at nobody. They could have their opinions. I was still turning up wherever I was at. You seen, you knew me when I was at DuPage, at College of DuPage, because in between me leaving um, Southeast Missouri and going to Morehouse, the NCAA uh, deemed me ineligible, so I had to take a year off. And so I had to go to – that's when I was at DuPage, coming to your dorm every mm-hmm. month. We was just – I was kicking it. I didn't do pays. Wherever I, mean, I was at, I was kicking it. I it never would be the be... funniest shit because Lauren would be like, Miles about to come over. You know, my extra early sleeping ass. I'm like, they're not going to leave till forever. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I'd be up all night with y'all. Yeah, like, shit was cracking. It was, but, yeah, it was. I never had a down period. It, it, I mean, it may have seemed down on paper, mm-hmm. but wherever I, was, wherever I was at, it was turned up. And so that's what led me to go to Atlanta. And then I was turned up to a whole another level. Yeah, I know. Because I was sitting there texting you like, look, Negro, I love y'all, but I ain't got no type of bail money. Right. I broke my damn self. No, it was a good time. keep it together. It was a good time. 
um, when I got to Morehouse, Morehouse is a Division II school. When I got there, it was eight of us that transferred from Division I schools that went to this Division II school. Y'all no, basically so, was like, Panthers out. Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we ended up like uh, making history at school. At Morehouse, we're the only school and uh, team in the school history to go to Division II playoffs. And we had nine Divi- uh, All-Americans. Wow. Right. Um, I, like, I knew it was real when our football accolades had us hanging out with Gucci and Walker. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm doing interviews with Gucci and Walker because I play football in Morehouse. You know what I'm saying? And you sit there going, like, I'm like I hey, can't I got tell a game you. tomorrow, bro. Come through. And they'll come to the sideline. That bro. is true. Because yeah. you did have that picture. I remember yeah. that on Facebook. You was like, man, I'm just out here chilling. I'm like, is that Walker, Flocka, Flank? What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, t- I had a radio interview the day before the All-American game. And when we were leaving out the studio, Gucci and Walk was coming to do an interview. And I'm like, hey, bro, we got an All-American game tomorrow at the Georgia Dome. Come through, bro. He, he said, bro, I'm going to come through for real. Next day, I look up. I come off the sideline. It's Gucci walking up to me like, bro, I told you I was coming. I'm just like, real recognize thank you, real. thank you for coming, bro. And then the next day, he went to jail for the gun possession. Oh, okay, uh, so that was old Gucci. Yeah, that was, that was like old, unhealthy. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. But I feel like my energy transcended him, so when he got out of jail, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was it wasn't him doing chin-ups right? with Tisha <laughs> It was the fact Miles yeah, yeah, touched me. Exactly, exactly. So I went in with a whole exactly. new energy. A whole new energy, you know? It yeah. probably was. It was probably part of it. Because just, you have this ability about you to uplift everyone, yeah. you know? And for everything that you have had, or accomplished that you would think would make you arrogant and cocky and be untouchable. You were like, I call you Teddy for a reason. I always say, like, this is my teddy bear. Like, and I don't mean that on no sexual shit. Like, you know, it's just most true, girls mean on sexual shit, but I never, I know you, know, <laughs> I know you never knew. Exactly. Like, I ain't even laugh because I'm like, yeah, not talking about no, me. It, you know? No, but, but that's why I allow you to call me. I've been telling other girls, be quiet, yo, chill. Exactly. But like, but like you said, I mean, I still be, I'll be ride, I ride my bike every day. From 71st Street to downtown, you can catch if you want to catch me, you want to talk business, see me on the bike path. <laughs> exactly. you know Find what I'm saying? me on 51st right. by the statue looking up right. your I'll be right <laughs> yeah, there. I'll be out there meditating. I'll be out there turning up. I'll be like, I'm for the people, for real. Um, so let me just say this then. You were doing all this in football. You were, you know, stretching out your hands to Gucci and, you know, helping people live mm-hmm. their best lives. So at one point, did you say, I've done all I can do here. Now I want to go into acting. Like, where did... Because, you know, people say, oh, I caught the acting mm. bug. Where did that level of creativity come from? So, like, uh, it was kind of forced upon me. When I was in, my, like, my senior year in college, I was living at this uh, theologian school next door to Morehouse and Clark because um, we had, like, this cheap rent. This lady was like, man, we give y'all the whole second floor to all the football team of the Morehouse. We got a whole second floor for like $150 a month for rent. Collective? No. For, I was about to no, say, per, excuse me? Uh, like, $150 a month for rent? Like, period. Like, if you're not standing on camp, like, it's, we had, we turned up. But, um, so one day she called me, like, hey, Miles, uh, one of my friends is doing a church play, and I need you, I'll give you three months off rent. I'm like, what I got to do in the play? I'm like, acting? She's like, yeah, um, just go to rehearsal, do whatever they say do. I'll give you three months off rent. I'm like, all right, Miss Crystal, I got you. And so she gets me send me the address, and I pull up to the place, and it's the Cadillac Palace Theater, that big ass theater in Atlanta. And I go up the stairs. You said church play. I thought like I thought, Tyler I thought Perry I was gonna go exactly. Famous. That's what like, I thought. That's what I thought too. But then I got to this to this rehearsal, and I walk upstairs, and I open the door, and there's Robin Givens standing there, and she's looking me up and down like, "Oh, the possibilities." I was like, "Shit!" <laughs> <laughs> like Mike Tyson ain't the only exactly, young thing exactly, you can exactly, have in your world, exactly. baby. <laughs> so for that week. That week I was in the, I was in our play. I had to pick her up and carry her down the stairs. 
Like, and they wanted me to travel with them. I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm a football player more. I was like, I can't travel with you guys, but it was good, like, messing with y'all for the week, you know? And my coach let me miss practice every day to go there, and I just told him it was like an extra credit assignment. I got three months off rent. And so I completely ignored the acting sign. That was definitely a sign. Um, and then maybe like two months after that, I'm walking past Clark Atlanta's football field, and they had a bunch of cameras on the field. And uh, I went over there to inquire about it, and the lady comes up to me and says, hey, are you a football player? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, you got 30 minutes to get dressed. Um, uh, we need you, uh, your pants, your shoulder pads, and your helmet. I'm like, I'm, I'm not a football player out here. I go to Morehouse. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, baby. Um, uh, well, you have to, this is a closed set you can't be on. I'm like, what are y'all doing? Tell me what y'all doing. And she's like, well, we're filming a, a pilot, what you call a, a pilot for to pitch to a network. If the network picks it up, then it becomes a show. I'm like, dang, what's the show called? She's like, Necessary Roughness. I'm like, oh, dope. Well, take my you information. That. That's the first thing I ever did. I was like, take my information, and when I stop playing, when I leave the NFL, I want to be an actor. You got to put me on. And she took my information. So a year later, the NFL lockout happens. That was my senior year. Mm. We didn't have no pro day or nothing. So my agent made me come play here at the Chicago Rush in the AFL. And it was just like I was living in Palatine. That shit was boring. I was mad. Like, now I'm supposed to be a millionaire right now. And... Something got to give, so I'm praying. And I got a random email from that lady I met a year earlier on Necessary Roughness. Like, Miles, the network got uh, picked up the show. We start filming next week. Can you come down? And she gave me a number to call. I called her. I'm like, hey, um, I'm inquiring about the email you just sent me. I'm looking some acting. like, And she's like, uh, well, yeah, I can guarantee you like five days on set doing background work, making like $350 a day. I'm like, Okay, that's more than I'm making with this $700 ass AFL. So guess what? I, I'm down, yo. I called my agent, my football agent. Like, hey, I'm about to go to Atlanta and be an actor. And he started laughing at me. I'm like, no, I'm serious. And I went and told my family even, like, hey, I'm finna go to Atlanta and be an actor. They're like, hey, what? Nigga, you a football they player. They like, I'm like, yeah, nobody agreed with it. Nobody. Brain trauma. <laughs> you need to, like, have him get a CAT scan. Like, right. <laughs> like, like. Nobody agreed with what I was doing. But I was, like, I, I was pretty confident in it because I seen them cameras on the field. And so moved down to Atlanta the next week, and I was at the Georgia Dome at 4 in the morning to be on set doing 12-hour days. Doing background work life. for, and it was just like, wow, I can do this. You can do this. You can be an actor. And so when I got on set, I'm like, Dad, yo, I don't want to be in this background. I want to say lines and shit. And so, man, I just stayed the course and did that for three Network. seasons. Network. I was did that. I did that for three seasons. I met the lady to do background for the game, and then uh, a, a Fox Family show down in Atlanta. And then I like I took that background reel I made. And I came up to Chicago and sent it out to the agencies and got headshots. And the first agency I went to was called Grossman and Jack, and they signed me, and they sent me on audition the next week, and I was for Chicago Fire, and I booked my first audition, and I was the first nigga, like, you know, everybody walking around, I'm an actor, I'm an actor, I'm in 2012, like, acting, you know, that's right. what I was doing at Chicago Fire, and so, like, I'm like, yo, this is real, this is real, and... I truly think you get all these blessings because you don't have a petty bone in your body. Like, I feel like maybe mine has taken some time because I had to get over my petty level a little bit. Yeah. But yours is just, you hear this and you're like, this is not a real life. Like, because to certain people, it's it might movie. sound like you have just tripped and fallen into every no, opportunity. No, calculated. And that's the thing, like, it comes off with an ease, but the thing is, I know how meticulous you are or how serious you are about putting yourself in the right rooms with the mm -hmm. right people and using just even the smallest things. Like, you already know people going to be looking at you. Right. Like, you are 14 exactly. feet tall. Exactly, exactly. So you already know every, that in itself is going to happen. Like, who is this dude, you know? Right. 
Then it's like you come in being bubbly, personable when you would expect somebody. And, and it's not phased, genuine. Exactly. Yeah, that's my, I hate people that be trying to be. I know like, you <laughs> could legit talk to Dick Wolf and then turn around and talk to the catering the, the crew cr- with the, the same on the corner. In, you know right, in the same energy. And and it's a, that's what I mean. That's where my blessings come from. Just like you said, like I could be in the room with Dick Wolf. I'd still be in the hood, like and showing love to my neighbors. Let me tell you and something. Kids, Filet mignon is great. If yeah. I said gong, Lord. Filet mignon yeah. is great. But a girl will still choose a pickle with a peppermint in the middle and be All sitting day. on my yeah. corner. Life happy is about shit. life is about balance. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like you said, like some days you gotta have steak, but sometimes you gotta have flaming hot and cheese. So you then got into acting. So let's just run through these credentials. You did the small church play with the Cadillac Theater. Then you did Necessary Roughness. Right. Then you turned around and met the background the or game. location manager for the game. Right. Then after that, you did the quad. Right. Where you were two years as junior. Right. Um, BET. Just... Don't be mad at him. The budget was like the quad was like the biggest budget that a show ever used or BT ever put out for a show. And the, the viewership didn't, didn't match the budget that they were using. I mean, I completely respect the financial decision, but even with me and no, you it was a talking, great, it was a great, it was a great show. Right, I think the like, acting was on point, the storyline was on point. Um, I mean, it was a good time. We filmed the quad at Mor- in my school at Morehouse. What about so, a full circle moment? You was like, I, mean, I was there at that party. Yeah, it was just like uh, that's how you know, like God got a crazy sense of humor, mm-hmm. like to tell me that, like. I transferred to Morehouse off the humbug, off of watching, off of watching school days. Eight years later, I'm sitting on Morehouse campus next to my trailer with Jasmine Guy on my arm, telling her the story about how I transferred there off of watching her on TV. That's, woo, that just gave me chills. Come on, like, like I was lived it. I'm sitting there like, be like, I'm here because of you and Christ. So she's yeah, like, oh, baby. yeah, yeah, I can just see like, her. Just like, like that, just like that, and like it don't get realer than that. It doesn't. Uh, it so don't. now looking into where it is that you're going, I remember when I saw like you in the backseat with Issa Rae and Yvonne, which I'm like, wait a second, what the hell is Miles doing back here? So, and then you booked that. Yeah, my manager like sent me out. Like he's like, bro, I need you in LA. I need you in LA for this pilot season. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to stack my bread. LA expensive, bro. He's like, bro, you just on two seasons of the quad. I hope you're not being that irresponsible with your money. I'm like, I don't have to save it. So March first, I moved out there. Maybe March 6th. He was like, I got your first audition. It's for Insecure on HBO. Uh, went in that drink. You know, killed that shit. And the next day they called me like, hey, you booked it. And that was the first audition. That was the first thing I got when I got to L.A. Well, tell me if this next question, if you need me to take this out. Like, do you already know how many episodes you'll be in? Or you no, just- it's, just on the, it's just on the premiere. Okay. It's just on the premiere. But, like, it's, it's a big insecure. enough role. It's a big enough part. But, like, man, I went to the... I just I just went in there and just like did my thing like I killed the shit, but I mean on set everybody was just going crazy over me. Everything I said was so funny to them. Uh, everything I did was just perfect. Um, it was just like that was another like guy just snapping them like thank you whatever whatever you're doing like, and I went back to the um, rap party maybe like last month mm-hmm. end of last month and I walk in the door and the uh, editor come up to me like you are so funny dude we just we just chopped your stuff up wait till you see the uh, the blooper reel we gave you like 4 minutes on the blooper reel are you're you so serious? good so that's huge especially in the room look, that it's only a, it's only an 8 minute blooper reel over the whole season season 1 and I only had one scene and 4 minutes of it was me each one of my takes each of my takes and then there was a little homie from Chicago he's like yo I'm the um I'm the HBO's uh programming assistant and I'm from I'm from Chicago 
He's like, man, I heard, the, I, I listened to your dailies. He's like, bro, you the funniest. Like, I don't like nobody's dailies. You were funny. Everything you said was legit on point. He's like, and he was talking about Kendrick Lamar section 80, and they didn't know what you was talking about. But I'm like, oh, you turned up because I know exactly what you're talking about. Disrespectful Keisha song, still the jam. Come on, come on. And so, and so that that's what that's what clouded me up at the at the party. And then right then, Issa Rae came and interrupted, like, yo, I gotta talk to you. I gotta talk to you. I'm like, well, I'll be right over here. Let's talk. And so she came up to me. and was like, Miles, I love everything about you. I'm really rooting for you. You're gonna have a really good career. She's like, you're perfect. Don't change. I'm like. I'm going to have a successful career. I said, you can make my career successful. Like, right. Bring me back on the show. And she was like, no, no, no. We've already been in discussion about bringing you back for the next season. And I'm like, thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah. And there's, there's really no, no, like, there's a lot of actors and, like, people I know in the industry. But it's, like, in terms of people I really support and want to win, I want that for you. Like, yeah. and don't get me wrong. Like, I don't have, like, oh, this super huge platform or whatever. But for whoever listens to my shit, like, you are somebody that people needs to be supporting and rooting for. You know, yeah. you truly embody, like, the spirit of the city. And I don't like bringing nobody on here that's just like, well, you know, I do this now. I don't give a fuck what you do. I mean, you've seen the work I put in in the city. Exactly. With the shorties. Like, we ain't talking about none, nothing for real. I legit was. Like, I mean, we, yeah, oh, we, yeah. getting there. <laughs> we are getting there. So, I'm going to just paint the picture for y'all. Um... Miles, I wasn't even supposed to interview him today. Like, I had just gotten through, like, interviewing Don Rob, and I was like, oh, well, Miles can come through. And, like, just watching you all vibe out and just, you know, be supportive and not in, like, no crazy shit, but also, like, geeking out for one another. Be like, yeah. Just real, real recognize real. Exactly. But then to even realize that you all have a mutual young man that is about to blow with what he's doing on Netflix, that it was in a short film that you created and yeah. put a lot of your quad money into, invested in yourself, which yeah. is what I say all the time, y'all. Stop looking for these music labels and yeah. the TV shows. You want people to take you seriously? I don't look to news and I mean, it got to a point in Chicago where I was, I was tired of going to auditions because, man, you just get tired of walking the room and your fate just lies in the hand of three white people sitting on the other end of the desk. And if and, they and are your, And your character is, is thug number two. You know what I'm saying? So I, I took two years off of, of acting, and I was just writing. Uh, I started writing scripts. I started writing music. I started writing movies. And one day I got a random call. I didn't. I wasn't even acting for two years. I was in the gym working out. I got a call from one of the homies. Got casted for the quad. He's like, bro, I just got casted for this new BET show. You'll be perfect for it. Send me your tape. I was like, oh, whatever. What are the odds, bro? You, well, you ain't got clout like that, and that's mm -hmm. what I was thinking. But then the next day, he called me like, bro, I'm not playing. I got Rob Hardy waiting on your tape. Send it. I stopped my workout in the gym. I had my trainer grab my phone and record me saying these lines, my size, and I sent it to Rob Hardy. The next day, he called me like, hey, Miles, we want to offer you the role of the junior on the quad, and that's just a testament to the grind I was putting in in Chicago. That shit like really paid off. Right. So how do you feel in terms of, like, the youth of the city? Like, I know, like, everywhere you – like, when I tell you – okay, so me and Miles for a little bit of time lived, like, maybe, like, two blocks apart from each other. And just in terms of the type of friend he was, he would come to my house at, like, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning to do, like, football workouts with me because yeah, I was – Yeah, I was making Joy get in because she was like, yo, I got some goals. I, I mean, I'm going to come to some. Like, it was working, too. My ass was dying every day. But I was like, okay, I can breathe better. And I'm like, I'm seeing biceps and changes and yeah. stuff. But even on top of it, you took it upon yourself to invite a lot of the young boys in the city who were in different football training programs. Yeah. And he literally had them in his front and backyard working out. Like, yeah, no like, funding, no nothing. I just felt like, um, didn't nobody do that for me? Um, like, uh, me and my best friend, a dude named Jeff Allen, uh, he played for the Texans right now. But we didn't, like, 
we had support, but we didn't have support like how we needed to. Um, like like I said, I was on, I was ranked in the country, but I wasn't handling trips like business like business trips. So when I came back to the city, I felt like it was my job, my purpose to help younger athletes that was like big and you know what I'm saying had potential to like teach them like yo this is a business this is how you play this game. So I was letting them come work out with me every day, going take them out to eat, letting them hang out with me and my friends that's in the NFL, just kind of showing them like this is how you're supposed to do it, you know. And from there, my niggas got scholarship offers, niggas going to the NFL, uh, just just shortening the learning curve. For the younger people, that's what if if you do anything, that's what you're supposed to do for your city. So they don't have to. So they don't got to go through same, none of the yes. shit that you went through. Because, like I say, my stories, like I tell, I tell you that shit sounds sweet, but it wasn't sweet at all. And if I wasn't as strong minded I was, I would probably be fucked up somewhere out here. But. Exactly, and that's the thing. Like that's why you have all these younger dudes that love and respect you. And, and same thing with Don Roth. Yeah, and, and I think, and I think, and I think, so and it's nothing but God because I'm literally. Uh, Khalil's mama called me two days ago and was like, man, Miles, uh, Khalil, Khalil, with the boy that she was just talking about, this the main character in this movie, Beats. Um, like, like I knew him since he was born, like since he was a kid. Um, but I like mentored him on some acting stuff. Uh, like she said, he's in my, my movie. That's the first movie he did. And the next week he got casted for this movie, Beats. But I was out to dinner with him. Uh, one of my castmates from the quad is in town doing Empire. Shout out to Caitlin Simone. Uh, she, in, she downtown. Is that the girl with the body? No, that's the one they could sing. That was uh, Brown. Oh, her. Like, okay, yes, yes. Got yeah. you. Uh, and so uh, she got here. was like, Miles, I don't know nobody in Chicago. You have to come out. Like, come just show me around. So I'm like, um, I'm meeting with my little mentee right now. We was at the gym, me and, me and Khalil. I'm like, you mind if I bring him by? She's like, no, please. I said, I need you to talk to him about being young in the industry because Caitlin played Brit Brat on uh, the game. Mm-hmm. And so I took him to G- uh, Luminati's down on state, and we met up, met her up there. Um Oh wow! We're not right. We're not. <laughs> Met her down on state and had her had her talking to Khalil um, about becoming an actor when she was fourteen on the uh, on the game and what he can expect on decisions that he need to make. And uh, she's like, "Miles, oh my god!" Because she's she's like, "I'm a big fan of your music. When are you putting it out?" I remember. And and she's like, she's like, uh, Khalil, like, yeah, you need to go to the studio. Matter of fact, bro, come to bro, come to my studio, bro. I'm the plug. I said, you the plug. Right. I, said, <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, this dude really just did this Beats movie. He's the plug now. Okay, plug. He was like, I said, bro, I promise, bro, we finna go up there. We finna go up there this week. So here we are two days later. I walk up here, and my homie in here, and that's the exact thing dude he was talking about. I just FaceTimed Khalil, and that's probably just threw him off because we was just talking about you, bro. I just met you, bro. Yay, connection! But that's Woo. the universe. That's how the universe works, you know? It and is. you can't deny it. You can't deny it. When good people get together, amazing things can happen. Yeah. Like, it's just it is what it yeah. is. So I want to know in terms of you definitely have been able to navigate the pitfalls and just the fake and the hypocrisy, the fakeness and the hypocrisy of the industry because it's it's rampant. And I'm pretty sure now, just like, Oh my God, we love you. You're amazing. You only going to continue to hear that. I know I'm a CEO as getting all type of awards right. and like Oscars, doing it bigger Grammys, and bigger and bigger. Yeah. So it's like, how do you? How important is it to keep your tribe for foremost, you know, focus centered around you? Um, it's not. It's not keeping my tribe centered around me. Focused around me. It's about being centered and focused around love. You know what I'm saying? If you show love, you don't do nothing but show love. Can't nobody really hate. Like for real, and or the hate that they show it won't even affect you. Like, like I don't know. Like people, I don't. People try to 
people try to block blessings, but they can't. It's like they can't. They can't block my blessings. And I tell, I tell everybody all the time, like, man, I'm gonna win no matter what. So no matter the pitfalls, no matter, I'm gonna win just because that's the energy I put out here. I mean, you know, um, like I, when we started down this house, mm -hmm. um, one of those shorties that I was mentoring in football was Ryan Fest's son. And me and Ryan Fest start kicking it. We start letting shorties come work out with us. And he's like, bro, let's make a program like artist development. And we can put your football stuff with my rapping stuff. And we can make it like make shorties better, like develop and mold them. I'm like, yeah, bro, let's rock out. So that's when we started Donda's house. Kanye called him. He's like, yo, you can use my mom's nonprofit. Um, he called me like, bro, put together a curriculum. I put together a health and wellness curriculum. Oh, my God. I did go speak to them kids once. Oh yeah, I had you come speaking to the kids. I put <laughs> everybody there in my circle on Hollywood. I put everybody on. Like, everybody, every move that I make, I open it up to everybody. Mm -hmm. That's how it's supposed to be. And so you speaking on how do you keep grounded. Every opportunity I get, that's our opportunity, you right. know? And that's just we what it is. When I did season one of the court, I came back home, told all my homies that I promised that I was going to let them be an actor in the movie. I actually put together a movie so that they can act in. And that's most of these homies' first movies. And then in the past year, they done blew up. Like, it's just, man, putting putting back into your community. That's all it is. I, yeah. You got to be what, what wasn't there for you. And I think the thing is, like, and I'll just end it on this. When it comes to putting back into the community, it makes me think of that saying, like, if you try, or how does it go? Like, if you basically, um, try and make a fish fly the whole point is like it'll spend its life like thinking that it's not talented because it, it's not meant to do that right. you know and so for me when I look at and we were even talking about this earlier Don just in terms of like activism and what that means or the different forms that it can take it doesn't necessarily mean running for office you can have that political stand by the middle finger you stick to the stereotypes well, I ran for office too you remember that you did right, oh. right. No, I was a he did like no I, like I was a campaign manager for a congressional campaign in 2013. Exactly, like seriously. Like, and you so and so when I go to these acting circles, I'm like, man, I don't did, I don't live really like live seven lives on y'all goofy ass. Like you can't tell me anything, <laughs> any director, any like I can, can't tell me nothing. I've seen it all from the top down. Like, and that's the thing, like that. But that is your activism. That is the stance that you are taking to help. Like it still is through creativity, but. That's why I started. So I started a nonprofit. It's called the Ticket Out. Okay. Um, and it's just I want to introduce every kid to their passion, whatever it may be, football, acting, singing, whatever it is. I want to give them how to find it and then how to hone their craft so that they can become a success at it. Give them the next step to it. The and definitely, the ticket out. let so me know. So you can know. get your ticket out of this environment because it's fucked up. The system is not for us. At all. So I'm going to give you all the cheat code to get about this month. Because it's the same shit. It's the same principles. It's all based on hard work and sacrifice and consistency and character. Um, shit you don't learn in school. Shit like, you can't buy in stores. Exactly. I can't go to Louie and be right. like, yo, let me get um, $3,000 worth of like integrity. Right, or heart. Or hard no, work. No, you ain't going to get no. no heart. You can't buy heart. You got to grind it out. And that's the thing, like. The, I have seen your grind. I continue to see it. I know that you are even going to take... I'm here shooting a show called Southside. We start filming in the morning. It's coming serious? on Comedy Central. Yeah. Whose show is that? Bashir, um, a guy from Marlin, and then some cats from Chicago. Like, I really came up on this from off the humbug. I was, well, totally. If they want to come yeah. on the show, too. I'm down yeah, to yeah, interview yeah, them for and, sure. and say what's up. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Definitely. Definitely, yes. man. Let's make this a one-stop shop. So come here. Right. This is what you, can, this what you can do. Give them a menu. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, 
He will give you a tour right. of the city as well as these, <laughs> these acting chops. And then you can see where real Chicago is. Right. But no, like, Miles, I am... I can't celebrate you enough, like, in terms of everything that you have been accomplishing, my pride that I have in you, like, just sincerely watching you. Um, so happy to just see these wins that you're having because you totally deserve them. Like, it's even when it, like, on every level, like, you just chill as mm -hmm. hell. You ain't never switched up. And that's, I feel like, especially in Chicago. I mean, yesterday was you, that Silver Room picnic. Yeah. It, it Were was you a, there? Yeah, I was there. I was standing. Oh, I'm so but look, mad. look, look! I was. It was to the point where I was standing in the middle, and I was standing next to like all my best friends from every period of my life, like Jonathan, Maurice, CJ, like everybody. We were all just standing, there, and I'm just like, man, this, 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 dope. this is this life. life. This is all you this, need. This, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was waiting on that. Right. No, everybody, every, everybody's snapping. And just to look around, like to know all my friends' successes and where we supposed to be and then where we at, it's like, and, and everybody got the same level of humbleness in my eye, you know? Right. Um, and that's, that's the, I think that's the secret, the secret sauce, you know, of uh, staying Stay relevant. Humble, do stay, dope yeah, shit. do dope shit and act like it ain't shit. Because exactly. it ain't shit. We all finna die. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I so happy that I'm just ecstatic that you came in today. Thank you for um, having me. Oh, you already know. Like, let me know whatever it is that you need from me. And if there's anything further that I can do to help, or if you want to bounce ideas off me, you know I got you. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, love, for being on the show. Oh my God, I had like a real accent. I have a question, right? <laughs> I'm proud. Make sure you guys tune in Insecure August 12th. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We're we going to get that in because I'm ready to see Molly make some more bad decisions. Turn up. Well, 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 look who decided to finally bring herself to Chicago. Summer is here, guys. Mother Nature finally decided to let all of us see sunlight, and I am here for it. So best believe I'm going to be at somebody's kickback all June, July, August, and possibly a little bit of September. You know that first month I always be popping with some Cavassier VSOP, the only drink that is worth drinking for summertime to get it in. I hope you're doing the same, and let's get it back with Joy Has Questions. Okay, I'm not going to fully drop the beans just because like I am going to wait for my friend to do that, but just know that I am going to be hosting and doing my first live event for Joy Has Questions September 16th. Guys, like when I tell you I am super excited, I cannot wait to just fully tell the event and what it all encompasses. But when I like there is nothing more on brand than this, just in the sense of like me being with friends, having a good time, like True blue Chicago kickback style. I cannot wait to just give you all the details for that. But I'm also just super proud in terms of the fact of here I am knocking off another to-do list for this year. <sighs> I feel so accomplished. I'm happy. And then last but not least, after the longest wait, my website drops this week. I am beyond excited. It looks so amazing. I have had... So many rounds of of revisions. I know my editor and site builder, uh, Ava Sinclair, who did a fucking phenomenal job. If anyone is looking for website work, definitely go through the Moon Rose Agency. Um, I will leave contact information on like IG stories or actually make a post because she deserves. But Ava Sinclair definitely killed it. It looks fuck 
phenomenal. Um, and I hope that this makes up for probably all of the stress I have caused you just trying to figure out what's going on with the site and how to like make it look nice. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And it's official, y'all. I got a website. So I cannot wait for you all to see it, give me feedback, all that good stuff. Whew. My motivational message is so short just because... Uh, it started because I was scheduled, trying to schedule an appointment with my therapist. And then I was like, shit, I do not have any time this week to even go. So I'm like, now nah, I got to try and like wait for next week. So I was like journaling, trying to like woo-saw everything. I had a whole bunch of work. Um, but it really was just on my spirit in general. Like, And this is something that I think it ties into accountability and just having self-awareness. A lot of times when people disappoint you or people get on your nerves, we're so quick to sit there and make it what they did in the situation or they should know. Or And at the end of the day, that's really your fault. Like, you have to have the accountability in all situations, whether it's your coworkers, whether it's personal relationships, whether it's the person you date in the casual situation shit, whatever. If somebody is doing something that's, you know, annoying you, you have to hold others accountable, but you also first have to hold yourself accountable because that is what you are projecting your level of expectation on for what them to do. So if it's a sacrifice that it's like, oh, and I get it, we base things from our own spectrum, from our own scope, what we would do in a situation. Negroes, that is not everyone. And it's wrong on your part to sit there and now have somebody else on this standard or this expectation just based on, quote unquote, what I would have done in the situation. That's why people stay getting their feelings hurt. And for me, myself, I just, I can't speak for other people's, but I know I have to speak on myself. That is the thing that I constantly feel God is just like, when you are ready to listen and when you are ready to just woo side out, I will be here. But until then, you're going to keep repeating this level. So if it's a matter of meeting people where they are, it's not to be shady. It's not to be an IG meme. It's not to sit here and be uh, disrespectful. And now you like trying to read somebody for filth or like, you know, electro abundance. I really got to stop with the post quotes, but I'm like super attached to that show. I'm getting better, though. Um but when it comes to meeting people where they are, it doesn't necessarily mean negative. It can simply mean that if I understand that if the shoe is on the other foot and you wouldn't make the same concessions or that I would do, then it's just a matter of like, just calmly protect yourself and your peace of mind. It does not mean trigger fingers to people. It doesn't mean fuck you. I'm never talking to you again. If any and all things, it's reflected in whatever you're trying to do. So if you just have to set those boundaries, then set the fucking boundaries and move on. Because if you find yourself continuously frustrated or irritated or annoyed and you keep repeating the same situation, at the end of the day, you have no one else to blame but yourself for that. And there's nobody else's responsibility. So before we go into this week, whether it is being annoyed or being mad, first off, I want us to go into this week being happy as all hell. Beyonce and Jay-Z were just in the city breathing air, so I feel like it's a little bit more black magic here. But... Going to the week, having the accountability that if you have to set boundaries or change things for yourself, do that, do it in a positive space and stop expecting other people to do shit based on what you would do in a situation because it doesn't necessarily mean that. Everyone have a great week. Pray for me as I have several account plans that I have to finish and 
all the fear because I'm not sure I know what I'm about to do. And I will catch you all next week with Joy Has Questions. Bye.